0: And welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. As you may know, my name is AJ, AJ Cairns, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world. It's such a cool thing to be able to say that. Who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. This week is no different. We're going down to North Carolina. We spoke with Colin Sutherland of Wooly Press. Colin and his wife, Micah, they run Wooly Press. And they are the creative forces behind the labels for Fanta Flora Brewing. Fanta makes some great beers. And as we have discussed here in the past, I have a real fondness for the North Carolina you know, craft beer scene. I've made some, you know, good friends there just through, you know, just through beer trading in the scene, who really have kind of kept me, you know, on the on the pulse of what's going on down there, sending me, you know, new stuff whenever possible, and really, really introducing me to, you know, Fonta, you know, several years ago, and so we always have a few in the cellar, you know, we just had a nice Funk Fuzz a couple of weeks ago, and so we'll be cracking one later on in, in celebration of this episode. So keep keep them coming, boys. We'd we'll love to have some more Fanta in the mix. But woolypress.com two O's, two L's, Y, press.com. You can find Woolly Press on Instagram, com. More information there. You can find out more about Six Pack Tackle. It's a teaser. You're saying, at this point, you're saying, what is Six Pack Tackle? Well, you'll find out soon enough. So stay tuned, read, and relax. So housekeeping news If you found us, you probably know that we have a website, 16ozcanvas.com, 16ozcanvas on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And really, where we're trying to push you, you know, this is the part where we kind of, you know, mention things that are happening, and hopefully, you you you'll be listening and doing it, you know, have a hands-free device so you can surf while you listen. But head on over to theartofcraftbeer.com, find out more information about. Our art show this summer, July 14th through the 29th at the Keller Liddell Gallery in New Haven, Connecticut. We added a new artist, so I think we are down to our 10 artists. And so we're going to probably lock that up so we can finalize some of the the gear that we're getting. But we are excited to announce that Leslie Herman, Fat Orange Cat, he will be joining the crew because it's ten. And then also on July 21st at the gallery from 6 to 8 p.m., Dan Blakesley, Mr. Hetty Topper himself, Focal banger, will be bringing his musical stylings to the gallery. So really got a lot of cool stuff. Sundays are going to be ASRC Family Days. So We're going to make some uh, adjustments, you know, with lighting and you know sound, to accommodate our good friends at the ASRC, who will, proceeds will be benefiting them. And when you can head over to artofcraftbeer.com, you can find out more information about the show. We have glasses that are being made. We also have T-shirts, and you know there's different tiers you can get there. And so it's really a lot of fun for opening night. Tickets are are selling nicely, and so we hope you will be able to join us. Please don't get shut out. That would be that would be awful. I mean, would it be? I don't know. Would it Would be awful? I mean, I guess on some level for me, it would be. I'd feel, I would feel bad, but I'd be pretty excited because we put a lot of work into it to have it sell out. So on the fence on that one. So just just go over there now and just take care of it and get it done. But you're listening to the 16-ounce canvas, the art of craft beer podcast, episode 64, Colin Sutherland, Wooly Press. Let's get into it. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good episode. You learn, you know, great story. A lot of ins and outs, take some new turns. I'm going to guarantee you're going to learn something new about a really cool printing technique. And if you're not, if you're not learning something new, even if you're familiar with this technique, I'm still sure you're going to learn something new. So that's that's what we do here. We drop knowledge. We enjoy good beer. We enjoy, even you know, even more so we enjoy good people. And we're just having a good time. And hopefully you're enjoying that too. And that's why you're here. So thank you for being a part of it. Let's get into it. Episode 64, Colin Sutherland, Woolly Press, Fonta Flora Brewing, right here. That's right, folks, the 16-ounce canvas. Not a 12, not an 8-ounce, not a 40-ounce, but we are the 16-ounce canvas, and this is the Art of Craft Beer. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Excited to have with us today, joining us from Asheville, North Carolina, Colin Sutherland, one part of Woolly Press. We came to learn of Colin and Mika from the work that they do with Fanta Flora, which is a great brewery out of North Carolina that I've had the pleasure to enjoy. Actually, had a nice funk fuzz the other night and it was uh, drinking nice. And nice that's about as much as we're going to talk about beer. So, thanks so much for uh, joining us today, Colin. I, uh, I really appreciate it. And like I said, do you. Before we got started, I'm a you know big fan of your work and just excited to you know learn about some of the unique stuff you're doing and you know kind of the the Wooly and Colin story.
1: Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm um, excited to be part of the the project you've been putting together. I've been I wasn't familiar with the podcast before you reached out, but after you did, I've been listening to it over the past few weeks since um since we started trying to set this up and um, have have been enjoying hearing other artists stories it's um it's pretty neat to see how other people have have come into this same sort of world that that I operate daily in
0: yeah it's it's really wonderful I mean I think that and I think it's nice for people who make so much so many unique things or as we say bring things to life to really kind of for a moment step back and you know kind of get a little introspective it's nice I think it freaks people out at first but you know I think when they when, when we stopped rolling, it kind of was like the, the, the exhale and like oh that wasn't so bad. So yeah, I'm hoping uh, yeah, yeah yeah hoping the same here. So yeah, I, I, that means it's a lot. The
1: first podcast I've ever been on, so it's there's yeah a little bit of those butterflies. But then at the same time, um, it's something that I you know am not afraid to talk about. So I feel I feel excited to share.
0: Yeah, and uh, for folks you know following along at home, you know uh, Wooly Press W O L W O O L L y uh, press you can comment you can also find it on Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, and uh, we'll we'll even uh, hook you up, Colin Sutherland, on Instagram. Also, you can see some of the work in action. You know, follow along, and it's uh, it's really unique, and I really uh, enjoy it. So, so Colin, let's just kind of uh, go back in the wayback machine. You know what's the what's the Colin story? How did you get into printing and you know art? You know, I, I think. The techniques that you're doing, and even the you know the, the way you're printing it, the labels, everything I think is very deliberate, and, but it's extremely unique and has a really uh, intimate, like handmade feel to it. So it really it really resonates with me, and um, it's definitely unique for for what we're doing here. So I'd love to kind of just learn about you know your story.
1: Cool, yeah, um, thanks. Um, well, I'm from Houston, Texas, originally, and um, both my parents are um were have always been very supportive with any sort of um you know art interest i've taken in the arts um and i always joke that i'm not very talented but i'm well educated because from the time that i was about four years old all i wanted to do was art class and i after school i was in art class until the time i was in high school and then in high school i went to an art magnet um, or half of the day of every day was I was in art class, and so I've just, you know, been learning to draw since I was four years old and, I mean, before that, too, and um, that took me to college, which I immediately wanted to do something other than art. <laughs> I was sort of ready to try something else, and so I went to a little school out here in Western North Carolina um, and was in some bands, and this band that I was in um the uh, singer of the band was in um, was the roommate of todd who is the founder of Fontifora, and that's sort of how i came to meet todd and he saw a bunch of like gig posters and some album cover art that i had been doing for our band and um, that's sort of where i built the friendship with him and also he became familiar with my art and reached out with um, wanting to start up his brewery and and what i could do as far as um you know Branding and illustration and, and you know, just sort of figuring out what the the graphic treatment of his brainchild would be.
0: That's awesome. Now, do you, do you still play? Do you still play music?
1: Oh, a little bit. I'm not in any bands anymore. Um I just have, you know, instruments around the house and, and definitely still enjoy playing. Um, it was... Yeah, I played um, a lot of, like, I was, I'm was. i not very good at any instrument, but I can poorly pick along on a lot of instruments, which is sort of what my role was in, in the bands that I played in, where it was like, okay, we need a guy that can, you know, play a little bit of piano, a little bit of bass, a little bit of banjo, you know, whatever whatever they need. That's what I provided, and um, which was a fun place for me to be because I got to play a lot of different types of music.
0: Yeah, yeah, rhythm, rhythm guitar or just kind of a... Uh... You know, someone laying down the foundation, let the others play along. Is uh, yeah, is definitely. It was a, a of, it was a lot of,
1: there's a lot of supporting um, singer songwriters.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, North Carolina is a a, a great you know place for music too. So I, I mean, it's 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 such a creative state. I mean, I definitely. I, yeah. I, I feel like it, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, being here in New England, I feel it's under the radar. But I mean, just when you're there, and I used to do college radio and. Well, I did college radio for 10 years, but I tell people that they think I was in college for 10 years, so I have to preface that where it was our local university that, you know, nearby, but it was just, you know, so, such great music always comes out of North Carolina, so it's a, and then all the beer, so it's a, it's a great place. I'm always trying to pitch the wife when we should move to North Carolina, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, here, Ashe, is a great little hub in the western part of the state, you know, and growing up in Texas, I was used to flat grid, you know, Houston is a huge town, and coming to this and by my comparison, very small little mountain town was is pretty refreshing, and I just totally fell in love with the place after I came here for college and um, never really left.
0: Yeah, that's how, I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I ended up in, I'm, I'm in Connecticut, and that's how I, I kind of end up here after university mm-hmm. met my, met my wife. I was at an event with my brother for his bachelor party recently, and somebody was like, oh, and they did the math they're like well you're really now from almost like in a year or two you'll you'll be more than half your life in connecticut and i was like oh that's kind of weird <laughs> like just you know what like, kind yeah. of that, that that teetering point that you're now from an area that you were just thought you, you always like i always presented like i'm this visiting here and so it's almost 20 years so i'm just getting old yeah. colin just getting old
1: <laughs> I'm right there with you. Asheville's a place where everybody lives everybody that lives here has been here for like, you know, 2 to 3 years except for the people that were born here and I've been here for a little over ten now, and you know mm-hmm. that's that's a long time by Asheville standards.
0: Yeah, you got like street cred. You're not, yeah, you're like a new tier of like you know import. They're like, oh, Colin's one of us now, right? They teach you the handshake. You yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I don't want to claim that because of the people that are <laughs> oh that yeah, are, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, right. I, I'm sure some of them might be listening to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well said. Well, hey, you appreciate it, and uh, it's your home. Yeah, you love it. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree. It's like no he's not one of us like, Oh, okay. <laughs> right. And then, then yeah, then yeah. That's how
1: I would be. If someone was starting, if someone was trying to claim Houston, which I don't know why anyone would want to claim Houston, but I,
0: so. I've only been there. I've been there once. We had a friend who like through work moved there and it, we were there for like, we went there for like four to five days and maybe that's like the max amount of time. But I, I had a great time yeah. the, and the food, so, the, the food was amazing. It's so
1: big. Yeah, yeah, it was so it big was that, big. There's got to be cool stuff going on, right? I mean, there's right. a lot of people there. Someone's going to have something cool going on.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, like I was saying before, I mean, your, your art is really unique, and I, I really am drawn to it. Now, how did you you know, find your kind of your niche or your, your style? I mean, I, I really um, – and I know it probably it ties into, you know, the – the riso printing is that is that correct how you say mm-hmm. that i mean that's a yep. really Reso, yeah yeah riso graph right and so yep i think all, every every one of the pieces really has that you know handmade you know uh imperfection perfection you know for, for lack of a better description really i think the it's really I, I think that's really why i'm drawn to it you can really you know feel the feel the art and obviously from afar and i really yeah, you know, I think it's a really unique style that, that, that you have. And so I would just like to know kind of how, how that came to be.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that you use the word imperfection and that's definitely something that I go with, go for with, um, with using the resograph, um, basically sort of bringing people up to the resograph before I, I explain what the resograph is, is, um, so yeah, I just, did a lot of illustration and made comic books and little zines and stuff. And I always was, you know, interested in kind of self publication and mass production of creating multiples of work so that I could spread it out and sell it for dirt cheap or give it away. And um, so I would, you know, draw stuff and want to get it out there. And I never was really happy to hire someone else to do the prints or, you know, and I wanted to have something a step above the, copy machine at the kinkos um so i looked into silk screening and was going to start maybe you know taking some of my my illustrations and you know posters or whatever and um and get into silk screening and i was just terrible at it it was um you know i had taken lots of printmaking classes in high school and stuff and we just never did that we did a lot of the you know etching and um and, you know, wood cuts and all those sort of more classic processes, but I never really did any silk screening. And by the time I got into trying it, it was such an utter failure um, that I got kind of discouraged and started looking into another way that I could do something similar where using a limited color palette, you know, that was relatively easy to set up where I could could make a bunch of prints for cheap. And I stumbled on this machine called the Risograph, which, um, Looks just like a copy machine on the outside. Like if you saw it, and it looks just like what you'd see in the corner of some dusty library somewhere, you know. Um, and but the inside works totally different. It's a, it's also called a dupe, a digital duplicator. And basically, what it does is it's burning a screen just like on a silk screen, but then it's wrapping it around a cylinder drum on the inside of the machine that pumps ink from that cylinder through the screen that you just burned and making a pass on paper it's hard to explain via podcast format it's easier if you see them in person but basically it's a copy machine with the guts of a silk screen that makes a pretty awesome result and the best thing is is that it's much more automated and you don't have to burn screens or clean screens in the same level that you do silk screening so i got this machine Um, i ordered one on found one on eBay, got delivered by an 18 wheeler on my tiny little Asheville street. And, um, yeah, we got the printing and, um, this was all happening at sort of the same time that Fontaflora was coming to be. Um, Todd had reached out and we were, you know, in the process of designing a logo for the company and, you know, thinking about what Fontaflora was going to be. And then my sort of, my side hustle, what I was passionate about was this machine. And so it, woolly press really became an entity because of fontaflora where we were starting to you know make enough money where we needed to be legit and we also had this machine that we need that was huge it was living in our pantry and um it was taking up too much room so we needed a commercial space where we could store it and we needed a um you know an uh, an EI number, an employee identification number in order to print a commercial property. And so we just, we incorporated, put the machine in there and we're doing Fanta Flora stuff. And it happened all sort of at the same time, which was really fortuitous because it was, you know, getting to work on the Fonta Flora project, but then also having this inspiration in this space to, to work on this, um, this personal passion of mine of, of the resograph printing.
0: Yeah, and if you go to uh, you know Wooly Press on you know, the Instagram account, and there's also some great uh, you know background information on WoolyPress.com about it. And so I'm looking. There's a picture I'm looking at right now, probably from like 2016. And you're right. If you didn't tell me what that was, I'd be like, that's like an old school, you know, machine. I'd see like a Kinko's. You know, it definitely it's yeah. But yeah. then the kind of the common theme with a lot of the photos you can sell you show is like those ink wheels or kind of cartridges. You know, in some of the photos. Mm-hmm that you utilize. So I think it's a nice w- way. And it just shows the, the, you know, the appreciation for that, you know, um, now are there a lot of those like being utilized today? Like I, that with an old school approach like that. Is that something that must be really a pain in the ass if something breaks, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You're not, you're not kidding. Um, a couple of weekends ago were, was spent, you know, totally taking apart that machine and putting it back together Um, because there aren't there aren't techs really anymore um, especially at least not in my location um, that will come out and work on it for you so luckily there is a pretty involved reso community um, online that we've gotten to know over the years and they're super supportive and they're really knowledgeable and you know we've all run into the same problems and we you know help each other out Um, but yeah it's um there there's a lot of these presses sort of popping up right now and, and, you know, have been established all over the world of taking these machines and repurposing them for, you know, a new life kind of because the machines were developed originally for an office environment, you know, law firms, churches, printing out order forms, stuff like that. They're just a printer that can print really fast um, and without using a lot of power because they don't, Um, They don't take nearly as much energy as like a photocopier does. And so but since they've been replaced by digital printing and, you know, inkjet and laserjet printers, the Risa graphs are becoming a little obsolete. But they have a really particular aesthetic, you know, something that I think you were responding to when you were describing the the imperfect nature, which is what we all strive for in the RISO community, because um, you're printing multiple passes. You only print one color at a time. Um, At least with our machines, some machines have two drums and you can print two colors at once. But um, when so after the paper comes out and you make, you know, your first color pass, if you want to do another uh, different color or line work or something on top, you take that paper and you run it through the machine again. And your register is never going to be perfect. That paper is never going to go through in the same way twice. And that's really affected um, the way that I draw and the way that I particularly color. Um, you know how I when I when I'm thinking about what I want you know the the palette to be and how I want the colors laid down then I'm thinking about okay is this going to look good if this shape is also three-eighths of an inch over here and then later on it's going to be a half an inch above here I mean our register is never that bad but that's just an extreme example where you know you've got to be thinking about it when you're making the designs so what and how it creates how it ends up reflecting in the actual art is a lot of line work within sort of more hard graphic blocks or washes as being the color that you're putting behind the line work that's just how I like to do it anyways
0: yeah no that's exactly that 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 makes it uh you 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 described it much better than I did so so thank you for that now (laughs) one other thing I also and I I was hoping we go you know keep diving into this but like you have the the Riso Museum, so you kind of take it on the road, right? So I mean, that's are you having the past at least? I mean, probably, yeah. You know, with your with your one year old, it's not as easy to do that, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you'll get yeah, that. You'll, you'll get you'll bit. get you'll get that time back, Colin. I promise. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm right sure now, I will. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, yeah. The Riso Museum is in boxes um, right now, but we have it's it's been shown in two places. That's a brainchild of my wife, Micah. Um, I can't take too much credit um for that because um she, at the same time that you know Fontafloa was building and the Risa graph was coming into our lives, she was you know right there um just as inspired and motivated as i was and um and she's really produced some some amazing stuff on it and um the Risa museum was something that she really did because she's really tapped into the community really well and was seeing all of this work that people were doing and um you know the nice thing about the about the risographs is you it doesn't make sense to run less than like 50 copies of something because the drums have to warm up so there's often extras and she started reaching out to a bunch of printers and being like you know can we can can we start collecting something? you know a, a something that will preserve what we're doing right now as a group you know and we started getting stuff from a lot of the other riso presses around the country and internationally Um, and we showed it locally here in Nashville and, um, got a great response and had somebody, uh, a guy named Stuart who had a comic shop in Nashville. He's since, um, moved on to the next chapter of his life. He's up at Rhode Island School of Design right now. Um, and we, we showed it there too, at his Brain Freeze Comics in Nashville, Tennessee. And, um, the show in Nashville was pretty cool because Nashville has such a printing, um, tradition, which is something that uh, was neat to bring it
0: into that town because of that tradition there yeah especially yeah there's a few shops you can, i was there uh, i guess about six weeks ago and there's yeah you can just see the you know the the classic you know gig or you know concert posters there and you can you know see them you know the the prints you know there's a few print shops that are kind of let you, you know, open to the public and you know, even even Jack White right his record shop you can go there and you know use a old phonograph or you know the the booth and make your own you know hand pressed record so it's definitely uh, that's a great town for that it's just perfect cuz it has a little bit of that throwback vibe to it in Nashville it's kind of that teetering of you know trying to be modern but you know being true to true to its roots so i think that's a great, yeah that, right. that'd be a perfect place for it
1: yeah nashville was awesome i didn't realize this before going there but you know it has such a reputation of being a music town And the reason it became a music town was because it was a printing town. That's where they printed all the sheet music. And because that's where all the sheet music was being printed, that's where all the, um, you know, session musicians lived. And so when that sort of was a lot of the drive into it becoming a a music town was the printing industry, or at least that's what... um, some printmaking colleagues that i met while i was there um, <laughs> yeah were, were were relaying to me
0: the lore right yeah i mean it, it yeah. makes it, it really makes sense because i mean I, I have a few friends who are still you know actively gigging and, and they'll record down there and some of the folks i'll get on you know just as like my two closest friends you know they're the kind of it's one of those examples where like they're the band like the two of them are, and then the, the rest of the cast kind of rotates and whenever Mm -hmm. they record in nashville they'll be like oh yeah we got this killer drummer and you know it's just kind of and i actually i stayed at a couple airbnbs of like local musicians who you know who were just like you know hired guns and it's a it's a it's a wild town because there's there's a whole different mix of folks down there yeah so i i I look forward to to getting back down there yeah
1: i liked it a lot my during my time there
0: that's awesome yeah so like i said folks you go to you know, woolypress.com, you can you know learn more information you know about uh the resale machine and uh it's a it's really interesting so I, I appreciate you uh kind of explaining that to me i was like i said it's all over uh the imagery and so i was just i was very very curious about it and it's you can see is that that's your yeah there's pictures with your your little one the the new boss mm-hmm. with the yeah yeah exactly yeah the first scale of the size of those things. So those, that's pretty, there's pretty massive, uh, color wheels. So that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We have one of those drums for each color that we use. So we have right now we have 13 drums, um, one for each color and you actually slide those big things out and put another one in when you want to change colors. And, um, uh, which is kind of nice because that, that limits our palette, you know, those are our colors that we can use, which, um, you know, having a consistent palette is, is always important so even if we're designing something for fauna flora that's never going to be printed on the risograph we'll often be thinking about it in risograph colors just because that's the way that micah and i's brain works now because that's how we've been you know designing and illustrating things for so long
0: yeah and i think that the the branding of fauna flora is so complimentary you know you can you can feel your you know has your your style to it and i think that. The type of beers that they're making are, you know, are, you know, really, uh, they're really unique, and they're, you know, the, the, obviously, beer making is handmade, so it sounds kind of stupid to say that, but I mean, I just think that they're doing just, you, just the the palates they choose, you know, the the fruits, you know, and and how they're preparing mm-hmm. their beers is, I think it's just really unique. So I think it's a, it's a really, it's a perfect fitting. So it's it's, you know, I was actually. I was actually at the Craft Brewers Conference and I was um in Nashville that's why I was there recently and I met the folks who do the labels who you know who you send them to and do the printing and they were they mm-hmm. had a few of your you know labels on the on, uh, stickers and I grabbed a couple of that and they were just saying that folks are always trying to you know they're always asking about the you know the type of paper and you know the what you guys are doing there and so they have to keep you guys keep it on lock and key but it was really interesting to to think that and to see your labels amongst all these others they not even on a bottle they were so unique and stood out so it was uh, it was kind of nice because I knew we were gonna be talking soon so it was just nice to to hear that from somebody who I wasn't you know just kind of naturally in conversation come up
1: yeah, that's cool you you ran into those guys there. Um Yeah, it's like yeah, blue excellent. somebody.
0: Yeah, first, yeah, blue something right? Yeah, blue label. Yeah, blue label. Yeah. Blue yeah. label.
1: Yeah. Out of out of Ohio. Um you know, the first few bottles that we did for Fauna Flora, we printed on the risograph and um which was really neat and but we were doing, you know, smaller runs of bottles and um you know, Fauna Flora quickly wanted to start doing larger um larger runs. And it became a little bit, the, pro, the one thing about the Riso is the the largest size paper you can print is 11 by 17. So you can't print rolls, you know, and so when it came to applying labels to beer, we were having to hand apply them, you know, and we got this like little laminator machine that we could apply adhesive to the back of the paper and then cut them up. And it was extremely labor intensive, but, you know, still fun from a learning perspective. And then we quickly realized we were going to have to, you know, move on to um, some digital printing of a larger scale and um, shopped around a little bit and talked to some people and um, Blue Label just got it right away, you know, as to what we were looking for and have, have just been excellent to work with since.
0: Yeah, yeah, because like I said, the feel it, right? And I think even the, even the type of bottles that they use are, are kind of unique in their shape. And so I think that... To really yeah, you know, make, it yeah. the, make it the art form on all facets is a it's a great conscious decision, and so I think that it's really it's really nice. I would love to I would love to get one of those original uh, labels; be kind of cool. So I have to poke around with some yeah. of the the Carolina folks, but uh, see see what's yeah uh, yeah. What's there's, there's a few out there. Yeah, right. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. printed
1: on um, this really nice um, wine label stock. You know how some wine labels yeah. will have like the little vertical or horizontal bars, you know, but mm-hmm. it, um, it ended up doing really, really well. We did a, before we sold any, we did some tests to make sure that it wouldn't like peel right off, you know? So we like soaked one in a cooler overnight and stuff like that. And it was amazing how well the Riso actually did Re, the Riso where it suffers the most is UV light, um, as far as the inks go, but they're really very waterproof. So it it was kind of a fun little thing. And since then yeah. I've seen other people do, Particularly homebrew projects, people will make little labels with risographs and use
0: it. I get to yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, yeah, I, that's the next yeah. level you see folks doing. They're on label. Yeah, I tried to homebrew. It was a, yeah, it was a very short-lived process, but uh, it was it was a fun experience. It's made me appreciate mm-hmm. uh, others. Others a lot more now. As Fonta continues to grow, um, you know they're they're putting out more and more beers. You know what, what's the what's the process like from you know on your side from the the concept of the beer to, you know, to, to the labels? Like how, how long is that life cycle? And how do you kind of come up with your, your concepts? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it depends a lot
1: on the beer, really. Um, it, I think that it can be, you know, Fontaflora will oftentimes do sort of like, not reissues, but they'll, they'll rebrew a beer, but it'll have a different spin on it, you know? So we might have, we might take a different, an older label and and do something new. But I would say typically what the process looks like is um, we communicate with Todd or Sarah or any of the fine folks at Fontafora. And the first thing we get is um, a style of beer that it's going to be. And then we might get, we'll probably get a name after that. And then um, just sort of a general kind of uh inspiration for it. And a lot of times it can be quite literal from Todd. Uh, Todd Todd will write us and be like, This is this beer, and I want to have an illustration of this and this, which which works well for um, me. I've always done well with that sort of like direct um, you know, uh, prompting like that where I can then make it exactly what I want it to be, but having sort of, you know, like the essay prompt, you know, that you have to write on, except it's an illustration where it's like um, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, like, uh, there was a beer, I forget the name, I actually forget the name of this beer, but it was, uh, had grapes in it. And it was the, the title was, a the name was a reference to, um, to a song and it was grapes, but then we wanted the grapes to look like xylophone mallets. So Todd was like, let's have a bunch of grapes that are also xylophone mallets, you know? And so then it comes to me to do, or Micah to do a, um, the illustration. And we always start with the illustration. That's just, I think, how we're more illustrators than designers in a lot of ways. And um, then we take that illustration and implement it into the label design. And I would say that our our, our turnarounds are anywhere from, you know, um, more than a month to two weeks. You know, we definitely have some some rough jobs where we're drawing and designing and getting something to print within a few days and then making sure that there's enough time for the printing and the shipping to happen so that you know the 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 beer can be bottled within a couple of weeks.
0: And the the focus is and the, the yeah the focus I like is kind of the it's like iconography in a way like each beer has its like little you know has an icon that's representative of it but it really there's a lot going on in these little kind of you know right in the front of the of the images so I, yeah i definitely i see definitely you know, have i definitely have fun with that you know i like the, the the boom box and the the hot you know the hot beard you know, i think that's probably one of the
1: mm-hmm.
0: earlier ones you know i think that um yeah
1: yeah
0: which is yeah and yeah that's yeah i said like yeah, i said I,
1: definitely taking sorry
0: good no, no no i was just gonna say there's like a nice like you're saying about musical lyrics there's definitely a you can tell there's appreciation of music and some, you know, it's definitely, there's kind of a, a theme, but you know, definitely, uh, you know, making beer is pretty serious, but it seems like, you know, they're, everyone's having fun over there. So I think it, it resonates in the, in the imagery that you're using.
1: Yeah, definitely. Lots of, lots of, lots of fun happening, you know, both, you know, written puns and visual puns are all over the place and trying to mash odd things up, you know, um, You know, taking whatever we can, and you know, like the beer. There was a kvass that was made that had bread in it, you know, but also honey. And so we take a the the bread, the bread loaf, and open it up and have a honey honeycomb dripping, you know, from inside the bread. And so combining those sort of visual elements to something new, you know, that both gives you an idea of the ingredients of the beer and and the style of the beer, but then also, um, you know, has like the label sort of hopefully takes on its own little story that can um, that can reflect the beer as well is is our ultimate goal I would say.
0: Yeah, well, mission accomplished. I think it's very effective and it's uh, yeah I think and they're very complementary to the just the whole brand. So yeah, I like that. And now most recently, like with probably last a you know, month or so, right? Cans right, they started canning some beer. So how how has that process been for you?
1: Yeah, that's been an awesome, um, an awesome new thing. Um, And that sort of has been um, an experiment in you know, thinking about, thinking very intentionally about what the future is and and what we are doing with Fontaflora. Because uh, at least for me, when I started with Fontaflora, I was pretty green as far as any sort of design work. And I was happy to, you know, be working with my my friends on, on this project for this brewery. And I, you know, was designed the label structure and brew and the logo. And then now with the cans, we knew we wanted to do something different because a lot of the things that we did with the bottle labels weren't really available or even possible to do on a can. And so we looked at it sort of as like, it was in no way a rebranding, but we knew we were going to approach it with this new sort of, set of design rules, you know, as to what we were going to do. And, and and the primary be one being removing that illustration element and replacing it with more sort of, you know, graphic um, design elements. So we, you know, keep the waves and a lot of the, uh, um, the iconic features of Fontaflora, but we're sort of approaching it from a different, um, more, you know, reserved, less um, kind of I don't know how to say it less um, like whimsical illustration, more kind of hard graphics. And um, it's been really, really fun. There's playing with things, you know, like color a lot and um, messing around with what the actual, something as simple as little waves at the top of the logo, you know, those, those wrap around the can and, and go down the can and, and playing with what we can do with those to explore different things. But, Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, we wanted it to look as different as we could from the bottles, but them still obviously going together, you know, is what, is what we were trying to do with the cans. And the other level is we knew there was going to be a lot of volume, um, because we're, they're just making a bunch of cans. Um, since Flora was recently expanded, um, they used to just have this small little brew house in downtown Morganton, North Carolina, which is about, um, a little less than an hour east of here in Asheville and but they've expanded to this beautiful farmhouse um that they are now brewing beer in in Nebo, North Carolina which is another 15 minutes back towards Asheville so it's only 40 minutes or so from here um this farmhouse on a on a working farm where Todd's gonna and and crew is going to be able to um grow a lot of the ingredients themselves that they're going to be putting in their beers but, because of that that much larger brew house, now, they have a much much um, larger volume of beer they're putting out. and so there a lot of that is being done in cans. And um so we knew we were going to be designing more cans and faster um, and doing two can runs at a time and you know doing multiple can runs per month. So we wanted something that we could you know feel good and creative about, but also apply at a speed that would be able to keep up with this um, with what they're doing in the brewery.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, the fact that the waves, which are kind of an extension of the, the previous label kind of connected together, but the, the cans are very, um, they're very vivid, you know, the colors in there mm-hmm. that, that they really pop and have a nice kind of gradient that kind of just, yeah, it glows. So I think, I think it's a great way to kind of tie the, the brand together, but, you know, give them their own kind of, uh, new new flavor so that's i was really excited to, to see that because uh and how i was gonna you know when that, i was yeah because that, that could that had to be risky right or had to be stressful to some level but i think oh really, yeah i think it takes yeah, that, yeah it I takes was... the beautiful element of that you know that rippled you know label which is super unique and kind of brings it to the can
1: yeah it was um it was definitely a stressful a stressful few few months there you're working on that on that transition you know hope thinking about what people were going to expect from fontaflora you know which are kind of ridiculous expectations that we put on ourselves as artists <laughs> but um you know we were worried about it and um because you care you know the the fontaflora crew was was heavily involved and you know we sat and looked at all sorts of things together and tried to come up with something that we thought would accomplish what we were looking for and I think it was all about just you know something something new and refreshing, but also still playing with the design constraints of, of what Flora's visual vocabulary is.
0: Yeah, well said. I think it's per, and I think that the pushing the envelope, right, what you're saying with the new farmhouse. I think it's a perfect tie-in, mm-hmm. you know, to show that's kind of a you know it's, it's another way, of, you know, a physical output of the of the new chapter of you know of the brewery, and so it's a nice way to to do that and. Get more you get the beer out to, to more folks. And we are back. Are you enjoying yourselves, folks? I know I am. The reso graph is really interesting to me. It was really nice to, to learn about that. And you can see the the passion and, you know, how much they, they care about that and it's been a unique piece of their business. And in a way, you know, it's kind of, you know, been the foundation part of their business so if you go to their your instagram you can see some photos of that it's really interesting and also i would head over to the, the main website it's definitely some great information out there about the the museum and what they were doing with that and just it's just creative you know uh, a traveling museum Yeah, you know, that's definitely something that a creative f- you know, person would, would come up with as a way to showcase an art form that they're very proud of and, and passionate about and so mika and Colin definitely do that and so head on over to woollypress.com. It's an exciting time. Also you know Fanta is, is doing some great stuff. You're really excited for them with these new cans coming out. If you are in that local area and you want to set up a trade, we'd love to get our hands on some of the cans just to, to see them and uh, you know enjoy those so shameless uh, pitch right there but you know it's a good way to, to meet people. You're listening to the 16 ounce canvas the art of craft beer podcast. It is a beautiful day today it's summer is almost upon us. Shorts is the key so that's nice. really excited about that. It does get a little hot but um just real first world problems you know it could be it could be a lot worse and so having uh, you know great music, great people you know summers you know nothing like a little kick cookout. And so hopefully you are enjoying yourself wherever you may be. And wherever you are, get in touch. Let us know who you are. AJ at 160ZCanvas.com. That goes right to me. Love to hear from you. Introduce yourself. Say hello. Maybe you're an artist. We'd love to to talk to you. Really excited because we just released uh, this week our announcement for our seventh 12-pack that we can you know we can uh, share with you now, so that's really exciting. We have Will Ralston from Angry Chair Brewing. We have Rob Sires, Gumball Gumballhead, Three Floyds Brewing. Lila Hall, Yazoo Brewing Company. Keith Neltner, LIC Beer Project of Neltner Small Batch. We have Melissa Sue Stanley and Max Bear. They do a comic book uh, called Galaxy Hero for Revolution Brewing, which is really exciting. Uh, Chad Eaton, Great Notion Brewing. They just started doing some cans, and I love Chad's work, and so it's really exciting to be able to, to get him into the mix. Ola Volo, she's a mural artist. She also does work with Doan's Craft Brewing Company. Christian Helms of Helms Workshop, Austin Beer Works, and other breweries. We have Raul Gonzalez for Aeronaut Brewing. Really excited to have Raul in the project. Connecticut's own Jay Larch. Does work with Charter Oak Brewing Company as his own business, Six Above Studios. Josh Staples with Hen House Brewing. Keith Griman with Evil Genius Beer Company and more. So it's really exciting to be able to share those with you. You can find out more information on the website, 16ozcanvas.com. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Use the hashtag 16ozcanvas. It'll populate the website, it'll get the word out there, and we will find you. And we are already locking down artists for the 8th 12-pack, so it does not end. If you're a photographer or a videographer, if that's even the proper pronunciation, please get in touch. We have some ideas, and we'd love to, to bounce them off you and really help to, to bring it full circle. So we're going to get right back into it. Part 2, Colin Sutherland, Woolly Press, Fanta Flora Brewing, 16-ounce canvas, need to put more words here and just do them in this stop way. But I think that'll probably annoy people. So let's get right back into it. Colin Sutherland, 16-ounce canvas, part two. Now, now with the the traditional labels, the, you know, the bottle labels, <laughs> so, there's a lot of them that use that kind of off-white kind of color, but then there's specialty beers is my assumption, right? Is the, the darker or kind of the navy blue or almost black uh, labels. You know, is there... Mm-hmm. Is there a style sheet for those? Is that something that, you know, that is correlated to the the release or the type of beer it is?
1: No, there's not. That's really, um, mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with, um, th- those are decisions that are made, um, you know, on a beer by beer case. It can be something that maybe, um, you know, Todd or, um, or somebody else at Fanta Flora is really passionate about and they want to do something special um you know there was recently a uh, collaboration beer between um uh between fontaflora and um Britt, who who is also worked at fontaflora but has she has an awesome um herbalism company they call torches where she makes um you know all sorts of herbal uh herbal products like smudge sticks and Smoking herbs and you know teas and all sorts of neat things, and they did a collaboration um, between Fonte and Torches Herbals, and you know that that was sort of a special beer. So it had you know inspiration from Torches branding versus um, Fontafloras Flora's, and you know combined. And I think that it's it's not really like there's we only do so many special beers a year, and those get this sort of you know they get the hot foil. Line work, you know, or something like that. It's really the each beer is sort of approached in that it's its own entity, and we're creating the you know a label specific for it. And we have, um, you know, we have a series of dyes that we've that we've accumulated with Blue Label over the years, and and we reuse those um, wherever possible. But um, it's really just you know case by case. Um, a lot of that a lot of that work is um, Done by Micah, my wife. She um, is the more of the designer. Um, of the two of us, I, I tend to do the illustrations, although she does a lot of the illustrations too. And then she tends to do the design work in, in the sense of placing my illustrations and laying out text and designing, you know, color combos for labels and line work and stuff like that. Um, although I do that also. It's just sort of how our roles have fallen into place at Woolly Press. Um, but yeah Yeah. it's not nothing nothing too special about about when we do what other than what we think makes sense with that beer or that illustration you know
0: no i like that yeah i, I was, i'm always just kind of yeah I, I, part of the fun is in preparing to to speak to you know folks like yourself is kind of going through your you know catalog and just seeing all the all the beers and i try to paint a story or, or, or thoughts in my head so i know that a few of them just kind of stand out even some of them use more of a like a recycled kind of cardboard you know kind of uh color to them which, yeah which is which yeah is, the
1: craft paper yeah. right yeah
0: it's so it's i i was uh curious if there was kind of a a paper style sheet they use but i kind of like that you know each beer i think it comes
1: me. from I think it just comes from Micah and I both being print nerds, you know, we love paper. It's all about the paper. When, when you're into printmaking, you know, paper selection is really, is really, really crucial. And so it's something that we liked. It's just as important as the illustration as far as when when we're putting something, you know, a design together for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think that obviously font is a unique case, but I think that just, I mean, but i think without that paper obviously the beer tastes just as good right but i think that the, the, the decisions <laughs> yeah. that you're making though i think it really helped you know put them on a, you know a, you know get, get it out there even more i mean i think visually folks are drawn towards it because I, I there's there's no other breweries that are doing that you know like i said i was at the craft brewers conference yeah. and they were you know you know the it stands out on its own which is a which is a wonderful you know which is a wonderful thing when you're trying to you know be branding and be, you know, be true to yourself as an artist. So, I mean, I think that you kind of hit the jackpot with that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's definitely, it's a, it's a real, it's a real team effort. You know, I think sometimes I'll do something and, um, Todd or, uh, Sarah or Brett or Micah, you know, the the, the core team that we tend to work with will kind of pull me back and say, that's out of brand. You know, it's like, it's sort of a, a, a group intelligence as to what our brand of what fontaflora's brand is and sometimes we need to reel each other in but you know the the folks that are the non-woolly press folks over at fontaflora are often you know are are very much involved in, in helping choose things and making design decisions as well as we are and it's um working together as i think is how we're able to hopefully make it still seem comprehensive Um, and consistent but getting able to make some of those those more bigger risks outside of the standard design
0: yeah yeah i think the fact you all kind of that's a common thing that there's a a a small niche of folks who speak the same language on you know this type of project Mm -hmm. and so you can kind of you already have your, your, your judge and jury to, you know, and everybody agrees with it, then it's good to go. Right. So it's like, okay. Right. Someone speaks up and says, uh, what about this? And so that's hard. I think that's probably, I know how I would feel, you know, if someone was like, Oh, I listened to your, that episode and it was garbage. I'd be like, God, that really hurts my feelings. But I think to be able to take (laughs) constructive criticism and have thick skin as, you know, as a designer and an illustrator, I think that's really I think that's hard. I mean that, that that's hard for me. You know, I, I would like to say I'm a bigger person, but I might be okay with it in a couple hours or days, but I mean I think that to be able to have that um that trust in each other is is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's um
1: it doesn't bother me at all. I have to be honest, you know, like the more someone is being the more someone has to say or to critique, it almost is flattering to me because it means they looked at it for longer. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's something that I really, if I send something off and they say, looks fine, send it off. Then that almost, that bums me out more than if they came back and had, you know, a whole litany of edits that they wanted me to make, you know, it's just how, how I, how I feel about it. And, um,
0: I could see that too, you think did they really did they really look at it? like you're almost like, like right. yeah you, like yeah, <laughs> like you said to them knowing you've you already had some stuff ahead of time that you're expecting that have to change in the next iteration. It's like, did you really look at that? You sure you like that? yeah, so yeah,
1: and it and it, it creates a lot of fun stuff too. I mean, we did a show um at Fauna brew Brewhouse in Morganton, a little art show uh, last fall that we called the reject show, and it was basically all the stuff that had been drawn for Fanta over or the best of the stuff that had been drawn from Fort Fanta Flora, but then tossed, you know, whole, whole beer names, you know, like, you know, we, there was a beer brass monkey that we were going to do an illustration for. And there was, you know, I had a whole series of, of various brass monkey beers illustrations that never got used, never saw the light of day. And, um, it was pretty fun to hang. And, you know, they're mostly sketches, excuse me. Um, you know sketches real rough torn out you know spiral bound papers that we hung on the wall and um, it was pretty well received i think a lot of fontaflora fans and um, i mean me included it was it was rewarding to look at all that stuff that had been thrown away um for one reason or the other but to then come back and revisit it and you know still enjoy it
0: yeah now so you do the sketches and then you you scan them in right you have to right to get them to be able to Get rid of blue label, mm-hmm. so you have to,
1: yeah, do the vector them yeah, and all we do. that
0: stuff, or just is there? Do you have a process for that to keep its kind of integrity, or how do you do that?
1: Yeah, the um, a lot of the design elements on the labels are all vectorized, and we're done. Um, you know, mostly in in vector editing software. The illustrations we don't um, typically vectorize. We'll leave those in raster format and um, just embed them in the vector program and the vector files and. Um, have had no issues with fidelity there, um, but yeah, we work digitally a lot. We work on paper. I'm, I'm in no way. A, a, I don't really have a favorite in terms of medium. It's whatever's in front of me, and if I, if it comes out the way that I like it, and I pull it into the computer and throw it on the, you know, the label template and start getting something together, and I like it, then then great. Um, more and more, we tend to draw digitally, you know, via a Cintiq or even on the iPad or something like that. Um, but we draw on paper just as much as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's the fact that they look so, like I said, hand-drawn and they're, they're through the computer, I think is another, that's a whole nother level of, uh, yeah, technology and trying to find the the happy medium there. So I definitely, I applaud yeah, that. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, that's something, any sort of digital production work, you know, where you're drawing straight onto a computer screen and, you know, not using any sort of graphite or ink or anything like that. I was always sort of um, resistant to it for a long time. And um, it's just recently that I, you know, and I say recently, like the past few years that I started exploring it and learning more about how to create brushes and Photoshop and stuff and really what you can do. and um, yeah, I think that if it's done right, it's, or I, I shouldn't say if it's done right, if I can figure, if I can learn enough about the software, I can get results that me personally, I feel like are what I'm shooting for, you know, and I think that that's all I wanted to, all I wanted to get to. And it's, I mean, you can look at anybody that draw. there's some absolutely amazing illustrators that only use Cintiqs and never, never never even pull out the sketchbook anymore and just make incredible work. It's just a, it's just another tool, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, yeah. Like, um, a lot of folks now are, you know, with, with artificial intelligence and whatnot, you know, I've heard a good way to describe it is that you're just teaching the machine to, to save you some time. It's not the the machines taking over. And so I think that's been, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've met a few, you know, I would say we have a fair amount of artists that are using them and that's maybe the 20 25 percent depending and you know if we've done a few interviews in person they've had them with them and just to see you know them just quickly mock something up and it's just you you can like you said you can never tell or i, I don't know if you could tell or not i don't really care but it's just that's to me it's like it's just amazing so that that the the, the touch from you know the screen allows it to have that you know feel but it's you know the the pen or the, there's actually like almost like. almost Eye, eye brushes you know for lack of a better description it, it's just uh it's it's crazy it's really crazy where things have gone
1: yeah 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 it's um it's a whole new world out there as far as illustration goes than when i was in high school and and taking illustration courses and um yeah it's
0: uh yeah how old are you called? i like it i yeah. like being able to just pack a of, yeah, that uh, that's 30 oh oh you're, you're you're a baby um yeah no so, so <laughs> no but that's as everybody says the travel a- aspect of it they were just like i would they would share, like tell me I had, I had to bring like 40 different brushes and this that and the other and it was just a yeah and they just pulled out of their you know their mailbag and it's just like all right i'm, I'm ready to go and so i think that's it allows creativity to happen wherever i mean instead of napkins and you right. know and book edges with, with your style, I was, I was waiting for you to just be like, I only draw on, you know, this paper with this type of pencil. So I'm, uh, I, I would never, I would never guess you're doing things uh, digitally either. So that's, uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's what you want, right? I mean, ads, I,
1: so. yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of stuff on paper too, you know, and I use whatever mechanical pencils or a brush pen or, you know, an ebony pencil, whatever, whatever's around, you know, there's lots of there's lots of stuff. You know, we'll do some labels where they're entirely colored with colored pencil, and we'll do some labels where, you know, we're pulling textures and colors from, retho prints that we've made that we're scanning in those textures to color with or something. You know, like that. Um, I mean, we, we really run the gamut in terms of, in terms of how it's done. I'd say the only consistent thing is, um, the hard black line work. You know, is really. The main one of the main things that we rely on to to maintain consistency
0: yeah i i definitely i, I get that impression you know, that they're that you're not um you don't conform to one style because you know you're always trying to push it or see what you can do or what you know which right with the riso it just shows you know, you're trying to you know an old technique and a new new world and you know the the mm-hmm. work that you do i love that you're you know it could be a pencil it could be crayons it could be watercolors you know or you know uh, colored pencils um, and it's just whatever whatever gets that that individual case that's yeah it's exciting
1: yeah and then if we manage to somehow run it through the resograph, then that's the ultimate goal
0: you know yeah. we
1: don't get to run everything through the risograph but we do as soon whenever we get a chance we do
0: I feel like you should have a risograph tattoo. Do you have a risograph tattoo? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't have any tattoos, but if I did, it would yeah. probably be a risograph tattoo.
0: Yeah, or just one of the one of the drums or something, right? It's just like that be Yeah, my... yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah that, definitely. Yeah, because so I'm like,
0: why do you have a copy machine on your arm? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah We thought about making T-shirts that have a picture of the riso that say, "This is not a copier" on them. Yeah, or
0: something like that. Well, right, because so. you said it. Because, like, I, like I said, I was going through, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, they have a lot. They're big fans of copy machines, you know. They need to like look through. Yeah. You know, Like, what's going on there? Now, is yeah. your is your, is um so how, how's been the business with the little one How, how's how's uh how's parenthood treating you guys
1: it's good it's good um yeah i mean it's definitely slowed down wooly press you know Fontafora is our is our number one client for sure and it's something that we you know they get they get first priority in terms of in terms of our business operations but then like i said we also have uh we do a lot of printing of our own stuff you know we're um We make picture books for children and comic books and zines and art prints, and we sell those um, locally and on our website. And so that takes number two. And then there was an additional side of our business that where we printed other artists works, you know, other books and basically published them for them or printed and then did light publishing, you know, a little bit of distribution, but not much. Um, And that has slowed down the most, I would say. Um, I have a day job outside of this. Uh, that keeps me busy, um, you know, nine to five throughout the week. And then, um, but Micah does Wooly Press full time. And so she's sort of balancing the time with the little one more at the same time as running, as as running the day-to-day to Wooly Press. And then, um, my evenings tend to be when I'm, you know, drawing beer labels or, um, fixing the resograph or, um, you know, doing whatever, spending my time in the studio.
0: Now, how would you describe uh you and Micah's styles you know, together? Is it complementary or do you have have areas of of focus or you know that, I think that's really interesting well
1: yeah that that's definitely something that is fun for us to play around with too and one thing we've gotten really good at is just passing stuff back and forth that's unfinished and I think that's one of the ways that um that we sort of meld our two styles. I would say that um you know, we're both line focused illustrators. Um, but, you know, a lot of times we'll do something where I'll draw the line work and she'll color it or, um, she'll draw line work and I'll color it, you know, we'll, we'll, or we'll bounce, you know, I'll start some line work and she'll change some stuff and then throw it back to me. And, um, you know, I think we've just gotten, so we work really smoothly together back and forth. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't. I, I guess our, our. I would say that her style tends to be a little bit um, more deliberate and um, focused, and maybe a little bit more like you know pristine or something. And mine is a little bit sketchier. My lines tend to go all over the place and is maybe a little bit more um, gestural or something. But um, I think that really and truly, though, you know, because we've been working for with the same goal for as long as we have that um it's pretty it, it it can be pretty indistinguishable as to which one of us drew what you know which is lucky for us it makes it makes it easier on both of us if we can pass that back and forth
0: yeah it must be cool you look at that and go okay you know, i did that and you did that and then we did yeah. this together and you just, yeah it's kind of that's wonderful yeah uh i yeah i think it's great so that's uh that's it. I'm really, uh, yeah, really happy now.
1: It helps with the little one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It's like, okay, switch. I want to go draw. Take, yeah, take yeah, little yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly
1: well, what it is. Your especially to wake up with her,
0: exactly. Yeah, and especially if you being the, the night owl. Um, I've came right. when we had the little ones, I came to learn what I could do, you know, in three, with three or four hours of sleep, and it, it's it's amazing. So it's uh, you'll, you'll probably, you're probably right in the midst of it now. So yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful yeah. time. And I think, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think one of the beautiful things is, you know, the, as the two of you as artists, right. And you're running your own business, you know, leading, you know, it's a great example for your children, but you know, also just kind of, you know, the way you see things is probably, you know, I, I will continue to watch, you know, and see the art that you're doing. And I think it, it impacts, you know, kind of your perspective and helps you kind of, recalibrate your priorities in life so I think it's just a it's a beautiful thing I know how, how how it affected me as a you know as a person as a man and so you being able to have a creative you know you having that creative output I think it'll be exciting to see you know what comes from it
1: yeah totally I am um, I'm already noticing you know different thinking about things differently approaching things differently just because of having um having my daughter around you know is um it's pretty profound as to how it affects things that you wouldn't even think it would be, it would affect like, you know, the way that you make art when you've been making art the same way for, you know, since you were four years old and you just start thinking about it in a whole new way. Cause you know, drawing with her and watching her develop and, you know, I mean, she's still, she's still pretty young talking about the iPad. I mean, the iPad is so fun with her because, you know, a crayon takes more, tactile ability you know you have to be able to hold it at the right angle and put the right amount of consistent pressure but an ipad she can just swipe at it with her finger and is making all sorts of marks and she can respond to that and she loves it you know so it's just interesting to have those different tools around her and and watch as she's learning and then think about it how it affects you know how I th- I take those things for granted when I'm drawing with an iPad versus when I'm drawing with a pencil on paper, I don't think about the tactile difference as much. It's just my natural hands movements, but, you know, seeing her develop is really fascinating to, to apply it to your own self.
0: Yeah. It's wonderful. So I think it's, it's great. I love, I love speaking to artists, illustrators, you know, when they've have, you know, they're in that moment, cause it's just, their, their lenses are different or just kind of day-to-day activities even you know just being outside and what what draws our attention What you know you probably look at things literal things now differently than you did previously, and i I know yeah, I know when I travel, and I hope
1: calder yeah. I hope Calder is uh excited for Risa Grass themed birthday parties, <laughs> yeah, that's what she's gonna have,
0: <laughs> yeah, right, I got you a new drum, yeah you, know, you have this new yeah. blue, this new blue drum, this is all yours,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's what dad buys for himself for Calder's birthday. Yeah. his new drum colors. Yeah. Because that's, that's, you know, that's the search is for new drums because they don't make them anymore for our machine. So we're always on the lookout for new drums.
0: Ah, okay. So is that kind of the through the community? Is it getting people to give up their old ones or like kind of or, or more like I know, I know a guy and kind of you just kind of spread word of mouth?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that. And then there's a lot of people like old churches that are shutting down that, like, there was a medical supply business here in Asheville that um, a guy that worked there had bought a bunch of our stuff at a, at an art fair that we do every year called the Big Crafty. And he was just a fan of ours, and he would always buy prints. And he knew what the resograph was because he used one in the sense of what they were designed for, where he would print order forms and all sorts of, you know, um sort of mundane office stuff on them and that company went out of business and he called us up and was like hey do you all want these two resograph machines and these five drums that we have and we were like oh yeah so we drove down to Arden and, and picked that stuff up you know so that's you know how you sort of you'll you know Craigslist is where everybody is always looking for good deals but they're pretty well known now when we first got into Graph printing you could get drums for free and if someone knew what they had you would get them for about a 100 bucks a drum and now i mean you know if a clean you know well well taken care of drum and a desirable color can can go for over over five or six hundred dollars yep so i mean it's 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 growing fast you know and so People are seeing it. But Resag still exists. They just don't and they still make machines and drums. They just don't make the ones that we have that I that uh Mike and I personally have anymore.
0: Well, if you're looking and you find anything in the northeast, I can be uh I can be a smuggler for you. I can be more than happy to Yeah. Uh,
1: to, That's really to good to know because I might take you up on that if I see anything.
0: Hell yeah, I would like that adventure. I would yeah, just, I, yeah I'm always up for the adventure yeah, and we usually yeah, I'm in Connecticut. Like I said, I got family in Philadelphia, so we'll see how we'll spread the net. You know, I got some folks probably in yeah Ohio. We go up to Maine, so yeah, we can help you out in the Eastern Seaboard. You know, we'll uh, we'll definitely be happy. I don't on.
1: even really know. I don't really know any Reso printers in in Connecticut or even Philly. I'm sure there's got to be some in Philly.
0: Yeah, I'd say um, Philly probably more than yeah, yeah.
1: I'm in Connecticut
0: too. Yeah, I Mike
1: has actually got family in Connecticut, so um. I've never mm-hmm. been up, to, I mean, I've been there, but not, not with her family, but,
0: um, so All there's right. a chance
1: her parents are going up there this
0: summer. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Can I get, can I get, to, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Can I get a little, it can be a little boring, but yeah, we'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. spoken
0: awesome. Yeah. Western North Carolina. There you go. Yeah. one thing I noticed in, is, uh, you're a big, uh, you're a fisherman. You like the. you like the fish. I, I got that sense from, uh.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fishing is probably behind, you know. My daughter and woolly press and the other things we've talked about today is is probably my my other big my other big obsession. It's it's a more recent one. I used to um, always my my favorite thing to do with my friends and to hang out on the weekends and get outside was always skateboarding. Um, but I had a really bad injury uh, three years ago. And um, after recovering from that, uh, I was like, I am too old and too fat for this now. I need to, I need to do something else. And I took up the natural retiree
0: path <laughs> yeah. <time> of fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And uh,
1: it's been awesome. It's been awesome.
0: Yeah, and do you make your? I mean, I'm, do you make your own tackle too? Is that? Is that? I mean, the, yeah, the...
1: yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that got me into it was the creative side of it. You know, um, I just have always liked to, to make shit. And, um, so I started fishing a little bit with some buddies, uh, the, uh, some good skateboard friends of mine were also big fishermen. And so I, um, started going with them and looking at, you know, I, I both, I fly fish a lot, but I also use non-fly fishing equipment, you know, traditional gear a lot. And, um, looking at the lures and the flies that we were using, I was like, man, I, I could make these, these, this sounds fun, so I um I started uh making my own lures and and tying my own flies and the the lure building is fascinates me a little bit more because it's a little bit more time consuming and difficult and more sort of variables to play with so I tend to lean that direction um but yeah making all sorts of lures um actually been in discussion with Todd about doing a. Uh, uh, lure building I, I made a little fake company for myself it's not it's not really a company it just has a name called six-pack tackle like six-pack of can six-pack the cans. and um, so we've been in the tops of doing a collaboration where I'm going to see how many lures I can build they're all hand carved out of wood and um, and hand painted and and it, it just takes it's super time consuming you know so I can't It's not like I can make a batch of 700 lures or something like that, but I'm going to see how many I can make and maybe do like a giveaway or something when we release the beer or something, but it'll be kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've really come to, I'm probably like a couple of years behind you on this, but I enjoy fishing my brother-in-law. He works for the New York city watershed and he lives up, you know, kind of, uh, where is he he's in highland new york and so yeah he works there and he, i mean he's on the you know waters all the time and so we always try to go fishing when he's around or go this when we go camping so i really yeah, i really like you said i feel i definitely oh, feel cool. o- i feel older doing it but i really just it's just kind of <laughs> it's just kind of nice just to to relax and just you know it makes you it makes it yeah. makes you have to slow things down like you know have i think the hardest part is the patience for me it's like to sit there and just like wait you know wait wait for it to all work itself out but when I went on a charter boat trip you know last year it was it was awesome so mm-hmm. I, I definitely I I I too had a really bad I'm not I mean my skateboarding accident is probably way less cool than yours but I was just trying to we found my old like board when I was a kid my, i was showing my younger brother and I just completely snapped my ankle it was super painful but I remember yeah so yeah I was like yeah why am I doing this again it was like yeah so it was yeah
1: good. it's amazing how often you know people go from skateboarding to fishing. You know, I've, I've explained that, that path to a few number of people now that have done the exact same thing or something somewhat similar to it, you know, where they had a skateboarding injury, didn't want to skateboard anymore, but still wanted to be outside with their friends and move Mm, towards fishing. Yeah. I think it's a good one. Yeah. Um,
0: It's a good name too. six pack tackle. So I definitely, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just, you know, it, I think that the designer in me has to come up with,
0: you a know, brand a logo yeah.
1: and a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Even though, even though it's just something that I do for fun in my basement after the kid falls asleep. But
0: yeah. Well, yeah, it's good, um, right? It's, yeah. Some, yeah. Cool. Sometimes you catch more beers than you do fish. So it works out. And then, you know, so, Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: It's all, it's all, it's all the same thing. I'm, I'm not too worked up about how many fish I catch. I, uh,
0: yeah, me neither.
1: Yeah, I I just like getting out on the water and hiking and doing you know we do a lot of trout fishing and smallmouth bass fishing out here in West North Carolina and in rivers where you're you're hiking a lot you know and you're moving fast and um, if you have a hard time with the patience of fishing I recommend you know doing some of that trout fishing or or wave fishing like that where you're moving the whole time you know and by the end of it you've you've covered a good four four miles or something and oh yeah. That can be that can be pretty rewarding and,
0: and fun. It sounds good to me. I mean, I just have to come. Yeah. Down, I'll come down and visit, and you'll just give me the. We'll, you know, we'll do a proper. You know, That'd be the goal.
1: Yeah, I'd love to, man. If you're ever in, if you're ever in Asheville and you want to go, want to go fishing between your your brewery tours, then um, absolutely, I'd love to show you.
0: Hell yeah, man! Now this last question is probably uh, one of the easier ones we had to you know ask you today. But just kind of when you're creating, do you have you know is there a certain type of music or you know, what's the scene? Are you kind of a, a peaceful, you know, kind of kind of uh, quiet kind of guy, or do you have certain tunes you listen to? What's uh, the, what's, what's it? Oh man, what's, I, yeah,
1: I'm all over the place with that one. Recently, I've pretty much only been listening to metal. Actually, I've just been listening to a lot of metal lately. Um, I don't know exactly why maybe it's like some sort of visceral response as to having a child and feeling like I need to be quiet all the time. And yeah. now all I want to listen to is the, you know, the loudest stoner metal I can find. But um, yeah, man, I, I listened to that a lot, you know, lately um, I really like, um, you know, classic um, old country stuff and um, you know, some of the more interesting newer uh I guess the word's alt-country kind of things. Um, you know, coming from Texas, I like the honky-tonk music and then a lot of old blues music if I'm feeling kind of quiet. But then, you know, I, I, I enjoy, you know, kind of ambient instrumental electronic music too. It's I, I really I like to cover all the bases. That Spotify is worth every penny for me just because yeah. I, I like finding new music a lot.
0: Yeah, me too now what are some of the bands you're listening to what's like what's stoner metal like i'm a, metal dude i gotta um, say metal is one of the more common like uh label designer like styles of music i mean that's like that really like, yeah dude it comes up kind of so much that. yeah it comes up a lot
1: yeah, um huh well i'm new to it so i'm not going to be able to name any like hip or oh, you I, know I obscure no bands but um, I started listening I sort of got into it listening to a band called Sleep, um, which they just a- actually recently issued their first album in like fifteen years or something and it's super good. Um, but it's all it's kinda like Black Sabbath <clears throat> driven where it's all it's basically blues tunes that are played on with heavy distortion and a drum set and you know, they sing about dragons and stuff. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's just really, you know, good heavy riffs that they play slower. It's not like it's, it's not like speed metal and crazy wailing. It's more just sort of like really hard rock. Probably my my favorite band that I listen to a lot right now is a band called The Sword, um, who's based out of Austin, Texas, and um, yeah, they're just they're just super good.
0: That's awesome. It just gets me fired up. Yeah. Now, what kind of yeah? What um, what, what on the old countryside? oh gosh
1: um i mean as far as new stuff i really like that music that guy Coulter wall's been putting out okay um yeah i, 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 I don't care to... i don't care
0: if it's new or not i mean i like yeah yeah this yeah. is this is like you're saying with the spotify this is like the this is my self-serving question i like write, i write them all down <laughs> then i add in my spotify yeah. and it's like all right got something new to listen to yeah so that's that's really yeah this is what's about yeah. yeah i hear
1: that yeah yeah i mean you know all the old the old um you know, Willie Nelson tracks, and you know, Johnny Cash and all all that sort of stuff. I could listen to that all day. Um, there's an old Texas guy named James Hand that I find myself listening to a lot. There's a guy named C. W. Stone King who does like these sort of jazzy blues tunes that I, I don't know his full history. I think he's Australian, but by way of New Orleans, and he's got this wild ass appropriation of, of new orleans music that's really really cool um i like cw stum king a lot but all right yeah um yeah and then like i said a lot of old blues tunes too like i i really like book of white a lot and um
0: yeah good call you know
1: yeah sun house and all those guys
0: nice yeah i've been listening to a lot of uh uh tedeschi trucks band Derek trucks and uh susan tedeschi Mm -hmm. i I really like them a lot
1: yeah they kind
0: of like a like a modern like joe cocker kind of you know right uh, and I, was, I think it's pretty cool you know the husband and wife team I mean, obviously you know you you and your wife were working together which i think is awesome so but they were two completely separate bands and you know they were just on the road so much without each other they just decided to kind of like voltron that shit together and now they're just in you know, this big mm-hmm. kick-ass band so yeah it's pretty awesome
1: yeah i've been getting into a lot of like very young kids seeming indie music too i don't even know if it's really that young they're probably not that much younger than i am but um you know like that band pine grove do you know them
0: yeah that I like sounds them a weird. whole lot yeah yeah it, it's hard and, sometimes because the the band names all sound like you know like there's yeah. just like a like an app and just kind of like two random now right, right. are thrown yeah, together. generating it's like, yeah, yeah it's like that sounds yeah. like no that's pine tree and That'd
1: yeah, that's out. what Spotify does to you, because you yeah. just look at lists and lists and lists of band names. You know, I think it was easier when, like, you didn't know what a band sounded like until you forked over 14 bucks on a CD, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're going to memorize that name.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I remember I mean, yeah, that was like, you go to, yeah, they don't have Tower Records anymore. That was like a big deal. I'd get, like, yeah. you get dropped off, and you'd go, and you'd, like, you'd spend your money in this, you know, CD, and you'd, like, three songs. There's no singles. You couldn't right. download songs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But. And I'm I'm and I'm almost a decade older than you, so I feel even older. So yeah, you, I was probably <laughs> uh, cassette tapes, and you're listening to the CDs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what music do you listen to? I uh, like the Avett Brothers. We're big into the, you know, the yeah. Oh, yeah. I um, love the Avett Brothers. My, yeah, my wife's on a huge uh, Jason Isbell kick. You know, that that new his new record has been played you know all the time. And then yeah, we went to go see. Um, trampled by turtles is that yeah that's the band mm-hmm. you saw them yeah, recently yeah. in uh, new york city so they were pretty good um we're trying to who yeah who are we gonna see them i mean yeah, fish is my probably my number one band um i really like them a mm-hmm. lot old school stuff the band you know we love the band i'm a big fan of the yeah, band. yeah yeah we got to see yeah. we got to uh see levon that was probably that was definitely the coolest wedding present we got we got two tickets to see levon at the at the barn before he passed at
1: the barn. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, yeah was, that, that was pretty special. Yeah. Midnight Ramble was pretty epic. And so that was, that was great. Right. So but yeah, we used to do a lot well, of music. If
1: you like that yeah. vein of music, I recommend that guy, Coulter wall. He's real good.
0: Oh yeah. I'm going to check out all your music. So yeah, that's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Kyle, I thank you so much. I mean, I, I definitely hope that we get to meet in 3 uh, I think we could talk for hours and I really just, like I said before, really enjoy what you're doing. I think that, you know, you're, designs and your drawings and art is really unique and that's what i really love about it um obviously you know the the branding for Fanta is exceptional and so i and i just love the story you know you and your wife you know working together and just everything you're doing i'm I'm a fan so if you have any make any fan t-shirts i would definitely you know like to rock that (laughs) and um right you know next next prints that you you know put out i definitely want to order one for the studio i just you know i just i'm a big fan and I, I appreciate you making the time um especially you know given that you're probably running on a couple hours of sleep with the you know the day job and the you know the, the little one so uh as a fellow father um you, you know you're just uh yeah i just really yeah thank you, you know, i think your your art and your your perspective on things makes uh makes the world a better place and so that's you know that's where i'm really happy to be able to include you in this and it, it means a lot
1: well thanks thanks so much for having me aj it's an awesome project it's really i mean it's it's nice to have like a um you know the some sort of structure of it being built around these the art behind craft beer but i feel like you're you often touch on issues even even not that that's not a small inconsequential issue, but you go much much more above and beyond that and talk about some some pretty neat stuff that's that's cool to hear lots of different people's insights on them. so it's a congratulations on the project it's it's a pleasure for me to be a part of it
0: yeah you you're the, you're the only, you're first uh, ResoGraphs, so I mean that's uh, I'm always the, you're first there, <laughs> so I'm excited I feel yeah. We'll, uh, yeah. There's definitely got to be a ResoGraph uh, subreddit out there, so we'll definitely make sure we promote you guys on there. So I'm a big yeah, big, yeah. big fan of Reddit. So there's a
1: lot of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're, yeah what, what's the big ResoGraph community? I mean, you probably, you're probably members of a few of them, but we should give them a plug. I feel like the Resos are – is that what you guys call yourselves? Yeah, there's
1: an awesome there's an awesome website that's a wiki that was put together by George Wiedor out of um, Issue Press in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's called – the website is stencil.wiki. And um, stencils being the stencils that you make in the Riso. And then that's a great place where there's a there's an atlas of Riso on there. We're on there where it's just everywhere there's a Riso press is you can add yourself onto this map. So that's a great way to find people. Um, and then, yeah, there's some Facebook groups um, and then just lots of stuff on Instagram. If you search the hashtag RisoGraph, then you'll find all sorts of people. Um, but there's, um, yeah, there's there's stuff going all over all over the world i love it but that stencil wiki is a great place
0: to start yeah i'm on that right now so i'm gonna dive in as soon as we get off the call (laughs) cool yeah well yeah yeah, thank mika and uh like i said uh you know thank you both and look forward to catch up in 3d in the future um it's one one of the best parts about the project is to meet folks like yourself and i look at the map in a whole new way now so i have all these great people i look forward to you know, meeting with and uh, you know, thanking you in person. So you know, thanks again, Colin, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be in touch, man.
1: All right. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Look uh, forward to it. Cheers. All right. Later. And there we have it. Colin Sutherland, Wooly Press, 16-ounce canvas. Really enjoy the opportunity to speak with Colin, learn about the Risograph, learn about the unique work that he's doing with Fontaflora, it really just kind of a full circle. Really love how everything ties itself together. The the thought process, the intimacy of the the labels from you know the paper to the ink. You know the appreciation of of an uncommon technique with the risograph. You know, we definitely looked around and have been. Clicking on the hashtags, it's one of the good things about social, you know, you find a couple of reso folks, you know, you can click on that, and they, if they use the proper hashtags, boom, right down the internet rabbit hole. Found actually there's, you know, uh, a print shop uh, in the local area, so we're going to visit that and check it out, and really just, uh, you know, it's it's unexpected, you know, when, when we start these projects or start these interviews, to know what or where things will go and so to really learn about that and had the opportunity to ask some, you know, novice questions and, you know, explore that was really uh, was really a nice benefit and it was really a, a positive piece of the interview. And so and on top of it, we're gonna have to get ourselves some some lures or maybe we'll surprise. My brother in law says he listens, so I'm gonna say that we'll get him some lures and see if he, he mentions it. So It's always good, you know, when people say they listen. No offense if you don't. We love you. We love you. We love you. You know, you just want to say, you know, at least subscribe. And then, you know, you don't have to listen. You know, some of the podcasts listen to, uh, you know, joke and say that, you know, to to pad the stats. But, no, we love you to to listen through. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did. Going to crack a Fanta, you know, later tonight. Celebrate. Bring it full circle. I did use full circle twice in this one segment. So that's kind of a... kind of weird, but we're going to keep it in there. So, once again, woolypress.com, two O's, two L's, W-O-O-L-L-Y press.com. You can also find Woolly on Instagram, Colin Sutherland. You can find him uh, colinsutherland.com. find him on Instagram as well, Six Pack Tackle. All there, folks. Get in touch. Let them know we sent you. And remember... It's Friday. It's the weekend. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself. We're just coming off Memorial Day weekend. Had a lot of fun. Always a good time to spend with the, the family. Another belated happy birthday to the missus. But I say belated, I didn't forget it just because it was a couple days ago. But when you're listening to this, my wife Sue, who's one of the, the driving forces of support, so it's just nice to, especially an episode with this, with a husband and wife team, they get to work together, you know, they have a young child, so it's just a a beautiful thing. So I love stories like that. One of the things that we see a lot, you know, is the entrepreneur and art and creativity, design, illustration, just, you know, some wonderful people and really, you know, small business owners in this country, so it's really just a great thing. It's really nice to be able to sit down and, you know, learn more about their process and their business and how things are done and a lot of a lot of great stuff happening so i really just you want know, to thank thank micah thank colin Woolley press you know everyone down at font flora really really appreciate it. it's been really great and so it's just uh it's nice because again especially when you're a small business doing a business of two and you're know, really a lot of moving parts going on there to get people's time to have them you know sit down and do this and scheduling like we you know we keep coming back to is you know is the hardest part of it but it really just means a lot to take time out of that busy schedule when there you know there are projects in the the hopper and things are happening and so to be able to get their time to to engage and you learn more is uh doesn't go unnoticed and doesn't go underappreciated so thank you once again to everyone You've been listening to The 16 Ounce Canvas, episode number 64, I Cinquenta y Cuatro, Colin Sutherland, Wooly Press, bye. there it is folks, have a good one, have a good day, whatever day it is, you know, you could be listening to it on a Tuesday, maybe, maybe you got a little Tuesday ritual where, you know, you're on a, you have a longer trip for work or you go on a hike or you go for a run, I don't know how we are with, I think with my slow and deep, smooth voice, we'll call it. Maybe it helps you set a nice pace when you're doing a run. Who knows? But whatever it is, we thank you for making us a part of it. We thank you for listening. You have a great day. Talk to you soon.